What's up, everybody? Welcome in. It is Locked On Sooners Live, and it is game week, ladies and gentlemen. Josh Elmer here with you of Locked On Sooners. going to tell you five things I think I'm watching for Oklahoma versus Arkansas State. Five things I know, plus Jeff Levy, Ted Roof, speaking with the media. We are loaded up. It is game week, ladies and gents, right here on Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. It is Locked On Sooners. Josh Helmer here with you of... The Ref, the home of Sooner fans, that is KREF. Just search and download our free app, and you can listen to myself and Chris Plank and Toby Rowland and TJ and Steelman and Parker and Tyler and Teddy, the whole gang, uh, Travis Davidson, you name it. Everybody for free worldwide. It's uh, it's easy, everybody. But, of course, this is Locked On Sooners. I'm Josh Elmer. No John Williams uh, tonight. He is, uh, he is out and about. Not to get into too much of what's going on with him, uh, but uh, his wife, he's hes with his wife. Everybody's okay. Everything's good. But uh, he needed this night for uh, for himself, and so we'll look forward to having him back. This, uh, this show, it's brought to us by, sponsored by BetterHelp. So it is game week, which means it's time to get excited, ladies and gentlemen. We have waited oh so long, man. It's been, uh, it's been what? Uh, it's been every bit of eight months plus since we saw Oklahoma – like much of last season, get off to a rip-roaring start versus Florida State since we saw not every game last season, but in this particular game in the Cheez-It Bowl versus Florida State, since we saw Javante Barnes and since we saw Gavin Sachuk run wild with some new faces up front along that offensive line for Oklahoma. But it's been a long time since Oklahoma got off to a great start versus the Seminoles versus Florida State, and yet they did not come away with a signature win to close the season. And really that was kind of the story of 2022, right? Which was a lot of good at times, mostly offensively. And then unfortunately uh, plenty of bad and not being able to hang on or close out victories. And so after the long wait, now we get to see Brent Venables, Oklahoma make amends for what was the first losing season in a quarter century for OU with that in mind, Five things I'm watching for Oklahoma in the opener versus Arkansas State. You know the drill. I know the drill. On paper, this is an Arkansas State team that uh, is, well, Oklahoma's favorite to beat by basically five touchdowns. And Oklahoma should come out and look very, very crisp both sides of the football. It's uh, it's a situation for Oklahoma where you got your starting quarterback back. Uh, sure, you're replacing Marvin Mims, but in terms of the the skill position talent, especially in the backfield, Oklahoma likes what it has. Jeff Levy, okay? He's back. That's your offensive coordinator. So offensively, plenty of continuity. Brent Venables, the man that uh, has been the architect of putting all sorts of great defenses together, really the czar of great defense over the last, let's call it, 10 years and change in college football. And we could dip back a little bit further to his time at Oklahoma, but what he did at Clemson, very, very impressive. And yet, okay, now we're into year two. How much progress has been made? We get our first glimpses of all of these different little storylines. 
this week coming up on Saturday versus Arkansas State. So things that I'm watching, like many of you, I think first and foremost on the offensive side of the football, what does the offensive line look like for Oklahoma? Got a good idea of that, and I don't even mean in terms of the personnel. I think moving left to, left to right, it'll be Walter Rouse at tackle, Savion Bird at guard, Andrew Rame at center, McCade Mattire, and then Tyler Guyton at right. But what does this group look like right out of the gates? Are they going to go physically manhandle Arkansas State the way that we saw at times Oklahoma win that physical point of attack versus Florida State? The answer to this question needs to be yes. It needs to be that Oklahoma really kind of does what Oklahoma wants to do for the most part versus Arkansas State. I'm willing to understand that it's a game one. It's going to be hot. Maybe there's a procedural penalty or two, a false start here or there, a legal procedure, you name it. I'm not expecting total perfection. I get it. It's a season opener. But what I am expecting is, again, some of these new faces up front and then you know, new faces up front with the older experienced faces, faces that have a lot of starts under their belt. I'm looking at you, Andrew Rame. I'm looking at you, McCade Mattire. And really, I'm looking Walter Rouse's direction too. Guys that have played a lot of college football, go look experienced. Look like this is turning into a well-oiled machine up front that is just physically more dominant than Arkansas State. Be able to run the football at will. Give Dylan Gabriel time to sit back there, do his taxes, and then just distribute the football all over to a number of targets, which gets us to item I'm watching number two. Got to be the wide receivers, right? What uh, What is all of this going to look like? We've heard Jeff Levy over the last couple of weeks say six, seven guys that Oklahoma feels very, very good about. And we could sit here and try and name names, and we've done that in previous editions of Locked On Sooners. But uh, probably to start, you feel fairly confident that Jaleel Farouk, Drake Stoops, Andrew Anthony, those, those are a starting three for Oklahoma. Again, we'll find out the depth chart tomorrow uh, officially for Oklahoma. You know, this time a year ago, it was devoid of oars at the top of the board offensively. I think there were three oars defensively in that initial depth chart for Oklahoma. And then, uh, you know, a couple of oars on the special teams units. But long story short, I don't know if we're getting that. I don't know if we're getting that defined of a depth chart coming up uh, tomorrow for Oklahoma. But I do think, again, those couple of names, we can feel pretty confident that Farouk, Anthony Stoops, yeah, probably those guys, if they're not all three starters, then they're going to factor in heavily, as will, I think, uh, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, maybe uh, maybe Gavin Freeman, maybe a couple of other names that you could throw in my direction. But what do they look like? Is Jaleel Farouk, is he a number one receiver from the word go for Oklahoma? Does somebody else emerge versus Arkansas State versus the Red Wolves right from the word go in that regard. Who's going to go catch the football and go make plays with it? Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, those two guys in particular, blue chip, blue chip uh, freshman a year ago. Now they're sophomores. They've been around. We've heard all sorts of great things individually from Jaden Gibson. I liked what he said about how comfortable he feels in Oklahoma now not just uh, the playbook itself and physically getting stronger with Schmitty, but he's just comfortable in his decision to be in Oklahoma sooner. Well, that's all fine, well, and good. And I do think that's a positive mental starting block for Jaden Gibson. 
but now go show me that you're going to go make plays versus Arkansas State. When the football's thrown your way, haul that baby in and then, uh, again, keep making plays. Uh, item number three that I'm watching for, very generic, but uh, defensively. This was not a good offense a season ago in Arkansas State, and I expect Oklahoma to come out, tackle well, hit people again. It's week one. I'm not expecting absolute perfection. There'll be a missed tackle or two here or there. Again, uh, a neutral zone infraction, offsides, you name it. There will be some of that. I can live with uh, a defensive back or two holding, getting physical on a route a little bit just to show me that, hey, you're okay to bump and run somebody a little bit. You're okay to try and be disruptive in a route combination here or there. But uh, overall, obviously, not a ton of that. That here and there in terms of the penalty department. But uh, just show me that you're going to be, for the most part, organized in what you're supposed to be doing. Again, when I say organized in what you're supposed to be doing, line up correctly. A penalty here or there can sort of expect that, can sort of excuse some of that. But then the overall picture, there shouldn't be a ton of chunk plays. I would live for a penalty or two versus all of a sudden Arkansas State getting some explosives, getting some chunk plays on Oklahoma. So defensively, again, this first stretch of games for Oklahoma, Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, and really even into the first couple of conference games, given what's happened at Iowa State and we don't have high expectations for Cincinnati, Oklahoma can come out and look great defensively in all of those five games. And yeah, there's still going to be some question marks going into Texas. But you know what? I'd feel a lot better if Oklahoma comes out and plays a game where they give up 13 points, uh, 17 points or less versus Arkansas State. And I'm saying 17 to be politely generous in game one for Oklahoma. You know, you'd like it 13-10 below that 10-point figure for OU. But the organization of the defense, the tackling, those are the things that I'm watching there. Uh, final couple of items I'm watching in this opener for Oklahoma versus Arkansas State. I'm going to term this overall crispiness. And this, again, goes back to offense, lining up where you're supposed to be, guys knowing what they're supposed to be doing. The overall crispiness. Probably don't need to elaborate too much further on that. Again, limit the penalties, but understandably living in the world that, yeah, there's probably going to be one or two. But guys knowing what they're supposed to be doing, not having to burn timeouts because guys aren't lining up properly. And I would extend that out to the coaching staff to where things are organized in a way to where you don't see Oklahoma burning timeouts because, again, it's not operating properly in this opener for Oklahoma. And then uh, I think I talked about this in our last episode with, uh, with John transfer portal additions. If, if you're not just talking general improvement for Oklahoma in 2023, which would be that big paint it with a broad brush, uh, that would be the storyline for Oklahoma, right? How much, how much genuine progress has been made in terms of additions that you made out of the transfer portal, signings, the in-house development, all of it, the coaching staff, you name it. How much further along is Oklahoma? How much better is OU? Because I do expect Oklahoma to be, to be better this season. I'm expecting nine, 10 wins. Honestly, probably 10 wins is my expectation given the schedule and given the talent that I do think Oklahoma's brought in, what is on campus, what they've signed. That should be the expectation at Oklahoma. Having said that, 
the one item out of all of those, the transfer portal additions. Because I think when you start thinking about success for Oklahoma this season, a lot of that ties back to the Rondell Bothroids of the world. A lot of that ties back to Trace Ford. A lot of that ties back probably to Reggie Pearson, to a McCullough. I know that there's a conversation right to be had, and sounds like maybe it's Justin Harrington that's won that cheetah job when it's all said and done. I don't think that means that the story for Desan McCullough is necessarily over this season. I still see an ability for him to be a pass rushing specialist, maybe for Oklahoma at times, or who knows if things don't go necessarily according to plan to begin with, it could be McCullough that winds up, even if it's not McCullough to start, it could be McCullough coming back in and uh, operating at cheetah before you know it for Oklahoma. So, and you know, offensively, Brennan Thompson is a name at wide receiver transfer portal. It sounds crazy. Austin Stogner transfer portal edition, right? Andrew Anthony on and on and on. There's so many transfer portal additions that Oklahoma is counting on. And that's probably just scratching the surface. There's names in the chat. I'm sure that you're firing along as we speak that you're counting on. I'm counting on pseudo nation is counting on out of the transfer portal. So the, the things that I'm watching just in closing here off the top, Offensive line, is this group going to go be nasty in week one? Wide receivers, what are we what are we looking at uh, right out of the gates there at wide receiver? Defense, are they going to go be punishing? Are they going to be able to wrap guys up when given the opportunity? Are they going to keep Arkansas State for the most, point, most part off the scoreboard, overall crispiness, and then the transfer portal additions? That's what I'm watching. Five things that I know about Oklahoma, and we can get into, uh, please pass your thoughts along in there in the chat. What are you guys watching for? What are some things that you know, that you think you know about this Oklahoma team? Again, tonight's episode, it's brought to us by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward, it's just, uh, it's not always so clear. And that's whether you're dealing with decisions regarding your career, your relationships, anything else. Therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and with excitement. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief question, brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. So five things that I know about Oklahoma, and keep in mind, we've got plenty of Jeff Levy, Ted Roof coming your way as they preview Arkansas State tonight on Locked On Sooners. And of course, we're not going to get out of here before we hear from you, the people, in the comments section, uh, obviously, as well. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. I know it's a little bit later start than it typically is. I was uh, off calling softball again. Uh, John's with his wife who underwent uh, a surgery that I understand is not – it's not uh, – Serious, if you can say that it's a surgery isn't serious, but we're thinking about uh, your family, John. We're, we're praying for you, man. Uh, you're with us always. And uh, obviously, I didn't say this the other day either. I totally missed telling John happy birthday yesterday. Yesterday was John's birthday. So if you're in the chat, if you're uh, on the YouTube chat as well, if uh, you're following us on social media, again, I'm at Josh on Ref. He is at John Nine Williams. Wish John a happy birthday, man. Uh, wish John a happy birthday. Five things I know. I do believe Dylan Gabriel will improve in key situations for Oklahoma and just in general. 
I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be more efficient. He's going to be an overall better quarterback. In last season, upwards of 3,100 yards, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. So as many gripes as we've had over the course of this offseason and during last season for Dylan Gabriel, there's a lot of people, right, that would have around the country just from a production standpoint, uh, because I get it, individual third downs, fourth downs, key moments, some inaccuracies. It wasn't perfect, and I wouldn't deem it as great for Dylan Gabriel. But having said that, I've watched plenty of bad quarterback play around uh, America and in college football, and Oklahoma did not get bad quarterback play. Did it get great quarterback play? No, it, it got it got it got good to you know very good quarterback play a season ago. I expect it to be better than that good to in between very good quarterback play. I don't expect it to be great. And I, what do I mean by that? We live through the reality of Dylan Gabriel is not Baker Mayfield. He's not Kyler Murray to expect that is expecting too much out of what Dylan Gabriel is going to be under center. I think for Oklahoma and that's okay. And I talked about this over the course of last season. I think John talked about it, and probably this is not a novel concept out there. Others, I'm sure, have shared this sentiment or passed this messaging along. I almost think it's healthy in a way that Oklahoma's going through this with Dylan Gabriel, where you don't necessarily have this Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback, this game-changing athletic quarterback that you had in Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, what he could do, some dual threat things, and maybe we'll see Oklahoma with a little bit more depth try to use Dylan Gabriel's legs more this season, but it's healthy for Oklahoma to understand they can't win games scoring 50 points every single week. They can't win games scoring 40 points every single week. They can't win games in the SEC scoring 35 points every single week. So I think in a way it's almost healthy for Oklahoma that you don't have that Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray quarterback this season in Dylan Gabriel. Again, I think he can improve. I believe that he will improve. I'm not expecting Heisman quarterback caliber play in Oklahoma uh, this season with Dylan Gabriel. And I think we know that now, right? After last season, I think we know that about Dylan Gabriel. What else do we know? We know that wide receivers and tight end are going to be fine. Do they have a CD lamb in that group? Okay, that remains to be seen. Who would that guy be if they've got it? Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, Jaquez Petaway as, as he gets going. I don't think that he's that guy uh, straight away, but uh, I know that Jeff Levy immediately says that he's very, very positive about Jaquez Petaway as soon as he shows up. So is there a superstar there for Oklahoma? Again, I think probably that question starts with Farouk, and we'll see. Uh, the buzz around Andrew Anthony has been real throughout camp. Brennan Thompson, we know that he brings a speed dimension as well, though uh, injuries, it sounds like, have been a little bit of a hiccup throughout camp for Brennan Thompson. So I'm just intrigued to see if Oklahoma has that bona fide NFL star. Down the line, I think they do, but talking right here, right now, in 2023, does Oklahoma have that guy? Is it Jaleel Farouk? But I do think, look, the wide receivers, Stogner, if he stays healthy, Tight end, you know, you got to develop the depth there. Uh, that, that, yeah, uh, worries you maybe a little bit. You lost some time with Jason Llewellyn. You lost some time with Caden Helms, their injuries. 
throughout the spring and throughout fall camp. That part's a little alarming. I know that you went and tried to patch some holes out of the uh, the transfer portal, and I was saying the other day that really out of maybe even sheer necessity, there's a chance for Blake Smith out of Texas A&M to surprise us a little bit. And again, I'm not saying to the tune of 25, 30 grabs, 350 yards, five touchdowns, but uh, maybe a sneaky option every once in a while because here he arrives at Oklahoma and he's got this stigma attached to him that he's just the run blocking guy, right? That's all Blake Smith is. Could there be a moment or two where he slips out into a route and goes and and makes a big play? I think it's a possibility. Uh, I think that he's capable of that. Again, beyond Stogner, though, are you super, super reliable in that way with anyone in particular right now? No, you're not. But again, assuming Austin Stogner is healthy, wide receivers, tight end, pass catchers, Oklahoma is going to find guys in the schedule lends itself to where they don't have to be particularly concerned right off the top. Okay, number three thing I know about Oklahoma. Danny Stutzman's really good, guys. Really good. Uh, All-American good? That part I'm waiting to see this season. I think that he's potentially great. And I do think that he could be up for some of those big-time national awards. A Big 12 defensive player, obviously, uh, for starters. Defensive player of the year. I know he wasn't picked there preseason. Uh, He wasn't an all-Big 12 first-teamer preseason but I think that he's in for that type of season and if Oklahoma's good and they do the types of things defensively that we're all hopeful that Oklahoma's going to do then Danny Stutzman's going to be up for some big time awards so and I would just say the baseline for Danny Stutzman is look he's going to go get us triple digit tackles I think he's going to be the key leader the key quarterback of this defense and he's a Heck of a football player. He's an NFL talent. I know that about uh, Danny Stutzman, and I know that for Oklahoma's defense. The rest of the picture, there's a a lot that I think that I know, but totally concrete, no. There's there's other items defensively that I I don't know. Uh, Again, I would say anything in the secondary, right? I think Billy Bowman is working himself into a star player in the defensive backfield. You know, and and I would chalk this up. This is a bonus. I didn't have this jotted down. But I feel like we know what we're going to get out of Woody Washington. Very, very solid cornerback for Oklahoma. And if you get great cornerback play opposite him, who knows? Maybe we're talking about Woody Washington as top three NFL draft pick type. He goes, has a tremendous season where he picks off five, six passes. And again, he rockets up defensive defensive draft boards and, and goes higher than maybe we're thinking right now today in the NFL draft. But I think that, in terms of what we know, a bonus here for you in the midst of this list. Woody Washington, we know that there's a very high floor there. You've got one cornerback that you can feel pretty good about, and we're going to see with Josiah Wagner. We're going to see with Gentry Williams, Jacoby Johnson, others, you name it. What else do I know? I know that OU's accumulating more talent. I know that they've done that in terms of, uh, dare I say the phrase, competitive depth, but uh, I know that they've done that out of the transfer portal and I know that they're doing that with their signing classes. They are accumulating depth. So that's kind of a big picture Oklahoma comment right there. But I know that about this team, I think, to be true as well, that Oklahoma is more talented today than they were a season ago. And then the last thing I know isn't necessarily even Oklahoma-specific, but the schedule's light. This schedule is not full of just a ton of landmines for Oklahoma 
So again, when I think about Oklahoma's season, it means that the stage is set, everybody, for Oklahoma to go win 10 games, win 11 games, get into the Big 12 championship game, and, uh, and win a Big 12 championship. That's what I know. Oklahoma, with the talent that it has, the pieces that are in place, they are, they're positioned well enough to go win this conference. And the schedule sets itself up to where they can go win this conference. So things that I know, Dylan Gabriel is going to improve but don't expect him to go be this Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback or a Heisman Trophy winner. He's not. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Baker Mayfield. He's not Jalen Hurts. Wide receivers tight end in time, if not immediately. Oklahoma's got pass catchers. They're going to be fine there. Danny Stutzman, he's already really, really good, and I think he's got a chance to be nationally great. I think he'll, by the time the season is over, I think he's going to be in the mix for some national awards. The schedule, it's light. Schedule's light. It lends itself to Oklahoma because of the the final thing I know. Oklahoma's more talented than they were a season ago. It lends itself for Oklahoma to be in the mix for what we want them to be in the mix for, which is a Big 12 championship on the way out the door and uh, obviously a college football playoff berth. Well, we've got to hear from the coordinators in game week, ladies and gentlemen. First, let me tell you that tonight's episode is brought to us by FanDuel, and we are rolling. It is football season, folks, not just for the Sooners, but in the National Football League. Get ready for NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers, you can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not too shabby. Got to be able to watch all these games, ladies and gents. Uh, $100 off. NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV when uh, customers bet $5, just $5, and you get that $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. So what does that mean? It means that now is the best time to join FanDuel, the app. It's easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and to so, so much more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. Well, we've got uh, a bunch of you in the chat with us. We have uh, a ton of comments. Uh, John, everybody wishing you a happy birthday out there. Mark, uh, quickly, ready for the new season? Let's go. Yes, absolutely. It is a late edition. I see you out there. Uh, from Mark again, they should steamroll Arkansas State. That's the expectation. And if they don't, then obviously uh, it's not going to be a fun next week to do this show or to be talking about Oklahoma football. But I, I think, guys, that Oklahoma is going to come out and deliver an inspired opening performance. Will it be perfect? Okay, maybe not that. But uh, I do expect Oklahoma to come out and look like a team that's hungry to improve upon six and seven. I want to see a couple of guys go over 199 each. Maybe a third. Why not? That's from Keaton. Uh, 199 rushing in this game? Uh, hey, I, I'd i love to. 100. Okay, you corrected. I'm sorry. 100, you, you corrected there. Yeah, I, I think that's totally doable, that you could have multiple running backs cross that century mark in this uh, contest for Oklahoma. Probably there's a chance you pick right back up where you left off with both Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk, though – there's, dare I say, dare I say, 
there's some late buzz for Marcus Major in the backfield. Uh, Jeff Levy, we'll, we'll hear from him in a moment, but uh, he wasn't ready to say curtains on Tawi Walker's chance to impact this backfield. So roll your eyes at that if you want to on Tawi Walker, but uh, kind of interesting. They feel good, Oklahoma does, about uh, what they have in the in the backfield, and they should. They, they got a ton of running backs to really, really feel good about. Uh, this will be the expectation across the board for Oklahoma. Mark, again, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of different players. We should listen to get their game plan in place. Yeah, we need uh, we need a lot of different faces for Oklahoma to rotate in. You know, you say that, though, and I wouldn't mind even a half of uh, if Oklahoma feels across the board, and it doesn't have to be every position group, but say, let, let's just talk, let's start offensive line. If indeed, if indeed, and the coaching staff will tell you, hey, there's still competitions going on this week. I don't know how much I'm, I'm buying into all that. I would think a lot of this has in the coaching staff's mind been settled, but they're saying the opposite, okay? So I guess what I'm saying is I'm not buying it. But let's say the starting five for the offensive line is this for Oklahoma. Rouse, Bird, Rame, Matoyer, Guyton. Kind of what we've been led to believe. I'm okay with all of those guys playing the first half, and then uh, and then you start rotating some new bodies in. If you feel pretty strongly, those are your starting offensive line and defensive line. I don't mind taking a similar approach there either. So it's that that fine balance of play as many guys as you can, and yet starters are starters and get starters, starters reps. Hank says, we just need to see Oklahoma on the field embarrassing people. Uh, yes, that is uh, what Oklahoma fans want to see. Start the season with a punishment mentality, please. A soul-crushing performance uh yes that is that's what everybody's rooting for greg chimes in and says stogner is going to have a good year you know that is again one of the big time keys for oklahoma is first of all the health of austin stogner we've talked uh, ad nauseum about that but then just austin stogner being austin stogner being that version that we saw what back in uh the 2020 season where it looked like okay this is oklahoma's next NFL tight end. And I think that, you know, to me, that's there with Austin Stogner. He's just had one of those careers where whether it was the decision that I think he'd be the first to tell you, you know, maybe it wasn't the right decision following uh, Spencer Rattler to South Carolina, whether it was the situational spot that he found himself in or just the, the injuries throughout the course of his career, he's been snake bitten in that regard. And so if he's healthy, I look for Austin Stogner to be right there or to surpass what we saw from Braden Willis a season ago. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. We get the comment here all the time. Is Oklahoma going to use the middle third of the, the field? Well, that was something that it felt like last season, Oklahoma. I don't know if it was just the, the sight line for Dylan Gabriel or just by design, running a lot of goes, running a lot of jet sweeps, not looking toward that middle third, the in-between the hashes portion of the field for Oklahoma. Use Austin Stogner. He's going to be a weapon there. Let him go attack that middle third of the field. Gerald says, this is going to be the best, most aggressive offensive line since 2017, and they're better than that one. Well, yeah, you had some some pretty good back-to-back -back offensive lines in 17-18. Obviously, 
NFL talent on, on those groups and uh, top flight NFL talent. Gerald, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to go there in terms of an individual being Orlando Brown on this unit for Oklahoma, but I'm hopeful that uh, I'm optimistic that if it's not another first round draft pick, if it's not a couple of top two, three round draft picks to start anyways, that Rouse Guyton, those guys that we've kind of heard some buzz about in that regard, that they show that they can finish that way. I don't know if either is going to wind up as a first round draft pick, but I, I do think it's doable if this offensive line comes together that both Rouse and Guy, both Rouse and Guyton can be top three round draft pick guys. I think they can be that. The the key for me up front is going to be okay, Andrew Rame, McCade Matire. Bill Beedenbow is the first one to tell you that McCade Matire, where he was at even in the spring to right now, is totally different. I got to see it. I got to see it to believe it. But obviously it looks like he's won this job again. So if he's truly taken those types of leaps and if Andrew Rame can match that, and oh, by the way, to your point about, hey, this group's just going to be nasty. They're going to be physical. They're going to be aggressive. I think Savion Bird is that guy. And I do think that he's going to be your left guard. So if that interior of the offensive line comes together with what we feel like Oklahoma will have with Rouse and Guyton, man, we're going to have, we're going to have some, uh, some really, really positive things this season. Let's go ahead and hear from the offensive and defensive coordinator. Let's start with, uh, well, Ted Roof, who was asked about cornerbacks. Speaking of Woody Washington, he talked a little bit about what that group looks like. And here was Ted Roof earlier today talking corners. Well, I think they've handled it really well. Um, it's been very competitive. And uh, that's a situation that will continue to be competitive. And, uh, you know, there's so much. We, we've, we've still got position battles going on and uh, through, through this week, which is a great thing, you know, to have some competitive depth like that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's where we are. Uh, ah, there it is. Buzzword, buzz phrasing, competitive depth. Uh, he was asked, I thought this was an interesting question from Barry Trammell. He was asked, has his relationship with Brent Venables evolved? Has it changed? Obviously, uh, Ted Roof, just like Brent Venables, going into uh, year two here at Oklahoma and year two as the defensive coordinator. And uh, he was asked, is your relationship different with, the head coach, Brent Vittables. Year two, you know, we know each other better. And I have the utmost respect for him as a, as a man, uh, as a head coach, as a leader, as a, a guy that's, that's been the gold standard in defensive coordinators in college football. So uh, it's, a, it's a learning opportunity for me. And uh, the relationship is fantastic. And uh, I, I'm very appreciative of that. One thing that th- this would be a macro look at Oklahoma football And probably, I mean, I don't know that – I don't even know that I really feel this way. I'm caught up in 2023. I I buy what Ted Roof is about to say next. But uh, I do understand that the SEC is knocking at the door. Oklahoma, I guess I should say, is knocking at the SEC's door. And so in some ways, yeah, everything is about building for the SEC. And yet you can't get lost looking ahead and forgetting about the here and now. To me, I want to see Oklahoma go win this Big 12 Conference. I want to see them win this thing for a 15th time. I want to see Oklahoma return to who Oklahoma has been in this league en route 
to the SEC. So while other national talking heads, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, Colin Cowherd or Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless, all of these guys that aren't in tune with Oklahoma day to day, it's always going to be about, well, is Oklahoma getting ready for the SEC? And in some ways, yeah, that brush is always going to paint this season. But Oklahoma needs to be better in 2023, not for the SEC, but for Oklahoma. Oklahoma needs to go win the Big 12 because Oklahoma's a championship program and they have a chance to go win a championship this season. So at any rate, Ted Roof was asked about this season, the importance of it as you build for the SEC. And uh, I think Garen Emick prefaced this question by saying, I understand you're probably going to say it's all about the here and now, Coach. And here was Ted Roof's response. I'm going to go back to your original statement where you said it's all about the now and this year. And you were absolutely correct. Uh, but certainly building a foundation moving forward and wanting to get better and better each and every year, each and every week, each and every day, uh, that's part of the process. And so, uh, you know, we're, we are focused on the right now. That's, that, that would be a fatal mistake. And uh, so nobody in our building, uh, Coach Venables, has made it very clear, and that doesn't happen in our building. And it shouldn't. Oklahoma should be laser-sharp focused on – Making sure that 2023 with this schedule, what's on it? I see you. Uh, I see you in the chat. Got to take advantage of this schedule. Next season is brutal. That's exactly right. So th- that's the approach that Oklahoma needs to have. Not about the schedule. Obviously, they can't let those types of thoughts in. That's for folks like us to talk about. That hey, this schedule. I keep saying it. It's my made-up phrase. It's navigatable. For Oklahoma, this is a navigatable schedule. It's the one that they can go get and turn into uh, in, and turn into a championship run. You play the opponent they put in front of you. The idea is uh, beat set opponent. It's really as simple as that. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, what about the rest of the defense? He was asked, "Hey linebacker, you went and you got Desan McCola. You went and you got Connor Near. Where are you at with linebacker?" And uh, Ted Roof also broke into a little Arkansas State preview in this response as well. Again, there are there's some ongoing competition, and we've got some guys that have uh, we've mixed and, and matched different combinations at times just to see uh, give guys opportunities to play with different people against different groups. And uh, as a result of that, there's been a lot of growth um, as far as Arkansas State goes. Uh, you know, they've got seven returning starters on offense, a, a transfer quarterback. Uh, Transfer receiver that led Syracuse in, in receiving, also a great punt returner. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 every week's a challenge. Every week's a challenge, and this is certainly no different. And we have a lot of respect for them, and uh, know that they're going to come in here and give give us their best shot. And it's up to us to give them our best shot, and that's what we're focused on. And let's just hope that Oklahoma gives Arkansas State its best shot. I know that uh, coaches aren't going to be in the business of saying, hey, we need to go roll it up on this opponent. But I can sit here and tell you, Oklahoma needs to go roll it up on this opponent. Uh, One final cut here from Ted Roof. The cheetah position, there's a lot out there. And one Teddy Lehman, I believe, is in this camp that Justin Harrington has won this gig. And he's going to be Oklahoma's starting cheetah. I still think Desan McCullough, if not right there, then in pass rushing situations, factors in in a heavy way for Oklahoma. And because I've not seen Justin Harrington lock down a position for the entirety of a season, I've heard all about potential. 
But because I've not seen him do that for the course of a season, my eyes are at least I'm still I'm still looking Desan McCullough's way as okay is this somebody that's going to help Oklahoma and anyways Ted Roof asked about hey what has Desan McCullough brought to you guys and uh, what can you tell us about that favorite position for Oklahoma fans now or recruits everybody's a cheetah right what can you tell us about cheetah you know that position has a very long job description you know and you've got to be multi talented uh, you can't be a one dimensional player there a one dimensional linebacker to play there and uh, it's again. He and Justin have pushed each other this this off certainly last spring, this off season, and now into into fall camp. And uh, as a result of that, it's made both of them better. And as a result of that, it's made us better. And uh, again, that's a that's that's a good battle. And uh, you know, with the variety of roles that we ask those guys to do, so uh, it's it's been good for us. And I'm I'm real proud of Desan. Uh, I think that he has come in and. Uh, Worked his tail off and uh, has picked things up uh, quickly. And he's a smart football player that uh, has got great length and, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a good player. Thank you, by the way, in the chat, Mr. E. Uh, Popcorn State. And that would be, uh, I believe, East uh, Popcorn State, if I'm remembering the uh, Bob Stoops quote correctly. Yes, I believe that that is uh, who Oklahoma is playing this weekend. Uh, Blake chimes in. McCullough will most definitely play a lot, whether at Cheetah or in, an, in another spot. You can't keep him off the field. I think so, too. I, I think so, too. And I'm not going to get totally locked into a spring game because I've made the jokes before that, oh, man, we made another mistake about the spring game, and yet, here I am. I'm hook, line, and sinker based on uh, some nice play that we saw from Desan McCullough in the spring game. There's no universe where this guy doesn't uh, crack the rotation for Oklahoma in 2023, I don't think. But again, that would not be in the realm of I know. So how about uh, offensively for Oklahoma as we shift gears defense to offense? Jeff Levy says... I, I'm not here for Josh Helmer's slander on Dylan Gabriel can't be this player or that player at quarterback. He feels great about Dylan Gabriel under center. Obviously feel feel great about Dylan. He's had a great camp. This is a guy that started 36 games. Uh, he's had a ton of production. So looking for him to, you know, be dominant and, and play really, really well at a cha championship level. Uh, expect that. He expects that. And so, excited for him to, to get on the grass yeah he's got great edge about him right now again he's he's incredibly confident and it's all about the preparation you know that's what it's come from he's worked incredibly hard he's put in a ton of time uh, he's got incredible amount of respect in our locker room uh, with our staff with with his teammates so again excited for him to have the opportunity to walk out there you know Saturday morning go play his butt off and this should be an opportunity for Dylan Gabriel, for these receivers to get in sync. It should be wind him up and let him go. Let him go roll out a bunch of yardage and roll out a bunch of touchdowns and all sorts of new toys on the outside in the slot. Let's uh, let's see what we've got in this collection of new offensive toys and playmakers and Oklahoma's offensive line, right? They need to let Dylan Gabriel go, uh, go have, a fun light season opener. Probably, you know, the heat, that part will be challenging, but let him go sit back there, do his taxes and get in sync with some of these wide receivers, which, Oh, by the way, speaking of the guys blocking for said wide receivers, the offensive line 
thoughts from Jeff Levy on that? Yeah, we, we've got a little bit of competition still working through, you know, as, as we move forward throughout the week. You'll see multiple guys playing for sure. Um, but we feel good about where we're at. You know, as, again, as you look at it, there's guys that maybe haven't played a ton of ball here, but they have played a whole bunch of ball. You know, whether it's Walter, McCade obviously coming back as a starter, had all those starts prior to being here. Uh, Rame has all the starts that he has. Uh, and you look at guys like Tyler and, and Savion and, and then Troy having all the starts that he had last year. So uh, we feel, uh, feel good about where we're at. Again, excited about the opportunity Saturday morning. So not ready to say, uh, ironically, we ended camp with Jeff Levy less revealing on the offensive line than we began camp when he basically ran down, hey, the only spot we don't know about is left guard. It's Rouse, it's Rame, it's Mataya, it's Guyton, and we'll find out about left guard. And yet now it's, ah, these competitions, they're still going on. And yet he was uh, pressed a little bit later. And take from this what you will, he had some really nice things to say when asked about one uh, individual that I, I like a lot, Mr. Savion Bird. Yeah, you know, with Savion, th- this is a young man that's got an incredible amount of ability and plays with a, a toughness and an edge and a demeanor about him that we need and we want. Uh, he has become accountable. He's become dependable. He's taken care of things outside of this building, which in turn has created consistency for him inside the building, and that's been huge. And that's, you know, that's something that we talked about last spring is if we can get the best version of Savion, uh, man, we got a chance to have a special player, and we're doing that right now. He's doing that. Uh, credit to him, and there's been a ton of maturity through the through the process. I love I love the potential of Savion Bird. He uh, won me over very quickly with uh, his tenacity in the Cheez It Bowl, and my man, he likes to finish a block. He's gonna keep blocking through the whistle, and I'm okay with him getting. Uh, not not once you get into these conference games, but hey, against Arkansas State, Tulsa maybe even, you want to get uh, a personal foul for blocking a little bit too long? N- not the worst personality trait to uh, infect the rest of this offensive line with. Savion Bird, man, he got that nasty about him, and uh, I'm here for it. So from offensive line to running backs, Jeff Levy, here's where I say, okay, you know, all offseason myself, I've been in this mindset. I think Javante Barnes to start. But uh, I've been pretty strong, Gavin Sanchuk, because of the track speed, because of the explosiveness that we saw on display versus Florida State. This is the guy that's going to wind up as uh, Oklahoma's leading rusher this season. And yet, Jeff Levy is tossing some other names our direction. And one name we've, it's the Harrington situation. But offensively, we've heard Marcus Major's name a lot. Yeah, it matters. And, you know, those guys, the way they played in the bowl game obviously was huge with Gavin and Javante. Javante obviously was sprinkled in a little more throughout the season uh, than, than Gavin was. But both those guys, you know, look to do big things this fall. Obviously with Marcus, uh, again, he's had a really good camp. I've talked a lot about him, excited about where he's at. And then you'll see Tawee as well. Tawee's had an incredible camp, had a great spring. And this dude plays the game the way you want it to be played, you know, with a, a ton of toughness and uh, excited for him. So interesting, interesting. The offensive coordinator for the Sooners, Jeff Lebby right there saying, uh, don't forget about Tawi Walker likes to be a violent runner for Oklahoma. They got a ton of options in the backfield. Bottom line is uh, in terms of things I know, I, I can't believe I didn't write that down. I, I, I think I forgot to write it down as I was prepping this show, but 
things I know is that Oklahoma stacked at running back. They're so good at running back. They're going to be just fine there. Javante Barnes is a special talent. Gavin Sawchuk is a special talent. I'm not uh, ready to close the book on Marcus Major, and if he's the guy that's getting the bulk of the carries, then that's pretty impressive because I've got a ton of respect for what Oklahoma has, again, in Barnes, in Sawchuk, Caleb Hicks. We didn't even hear his name right there, but Caleb Hicks is somebody that – Man, there's been so many nice things said over the course of this camp about Tawi Walker. So they are stacked on stacked on stacked with running backs at uh, at Oklahoma. So they're really, really good there. The uh, position group, again, that I said one of them I'm definitely watching. No brainer. Uh, anybody that's uh, been getting geared up for this season is is curious. What are these wide receivers going to look like? And Jeff Levy was asked about that and talked about that. Yeah, so the receiver spot, and talked a little bit about it last, last week, but I think we got a chance to see six or seven guys. And so that's, I think that's one thing that I'm incredibly excited about, we're excited about, is that we've really got a chance to play multiple guys, which that, again, was not the case as we stood here a year ago. So excited about these guys getting an opportunity. Now they got to go do it. They've had great summers. They had great springs. They've had really good fall camps uh, from multiple guys. So now going to making the play on Saturday morning is going to be huge. And then Arkansas State, you get, they get they've got uh, you know a group back on the on the back end that's uh, played a, a, ball, a bunch of ball. You know, they've got three returning starters on the back end, their field backer, their nickel is a returning starter, probably their best player on defense. They lost a bunch of guys up front and and two interior backers, but uh, guys on the back end that have played a lot of ball. So uh, you turn the tape on, you see great effort, you see great intensity. Guys play with a lot of toughness and play incredibly hard. So, uh, again, our guys are excited about Saturday morning. There you go. A little bit on the wide receivers, a little bit on Arkansas State from Oklahoma offensive coordinator Jeff Levy. One more here about the wide receivers. I thought this was a great question. Hoover, uh, longtime reporter for Oklahoma, and John Hoover, I thought, again, asked a great question. We keep hearing that number six six to seven guys that Oklahoma in its uh, wide receiver group feels great about. And uh, Hoover asked the question that I've been wanting to ask, which is, Hey, could that number actually get larger? And I shouldn't even say that necessarily I wanted to ask, but that I think we've been talking about right here on the show on locked on Sooners, your team every single day. Is it really six or seven? Are we leaving a couple of names out? And he was asked, okay, could this stretch to eight, nine, however many bodies? It may be. I, I think so. You know, as, as we move forward and continue to get guys back, uh, again, we've got some young guys in the room that uh, are incredibly capable, but they are young uh, and guys that hadn't played a ton of ball. So their reps from, you know, a, a game standpoint might be five to ten where that's got a chance to grow as long as they get on the field and do what we think they're going to do. So um, we, we want to be able to roll multiple guys at those positions to be able to go play fast and guys being able to be really fresh and fast in the fourth quarter. And I think that'll be a huge advantage. So there you go. A little bit more on the wide receivers from Jeff Lebby. And I do think there's a chance that we could see that many bodies. Again, probably history of Jeff Lebby says that, uh, you know, dating back to Ole Miss, that he kind of had a top guy typically that got a lot of targets thrown his way. And that was kind of the kind of the way for the the top three or four or so. But uh, just because that's who you've been doesn't mean that that's the idea that you're married to and that you have to have just the top three, 
three, four guys, and then you don't play the other five or six or whatever it may be, or, you know, three, four, five, six, whatever it may be. So it's going to be interesting to watch all of that evolve because Oklahoma's just not in this situation at wide receiver. Again, they can be in a situation right now where they're sort of proven gold in Drake Stoops. You know what you're going to get there. Steady, throw it his way. He's coming up with a big third down grab. Outside of that, there's not a lot that we know with wide receiver for Oklahoma. There's a lot that we think, and there's a lot that we're optimistic about. But in terms of proven production, okay, I I know that Jaleel Farouk's a good wide receiver. I don't know that he's a number one wide receiver for Oklahoma. So all of that to say that it does sort of lend itself wide receiver to a little bit of experimentation throughout the non-conference portion of the schedule before you get to that Cincinnati uh, road trip. So uh, just interesting. How many bodies are we going to see there as soon as this weekend? And how many bodies are we going to see there over the course of the non-conference and the entirety of the season? Because, again, there's not that established number one guy. Probably it's Jaleel Farouk when it's all said and done. But in terms of where we're at today, it's open for business. Come win the gig. Hey, the number two job? Open for business. Come win the gig, and and we could go on and on and on. Not one, not two, not three. Uh, Keaton asked, uh, I think, an interesting question. DG, 67% pass accuracy, over or under? Well, let's hope it's over, right? If if Dylan Gabriel can go do that, then probably we're in a situation where Oklahoma is a heck of a lot closer to the goals that it has set for itself. I would think just operationally, you're going to be in a a better spot than you've been. He's done it before once in his career. So 2021, he, uh, he completed 68% of his passes. Now, granted, that's not a full season's sample set or sample size, but he was on pace to do it that season. I'm going to lean no, but I do think he'll be much closer to it. He was 62.7% a season ago. I'll say no for now, but I do think he'll be right close to that figure. Greg says, Dylan had problems with his feet not being under him last year in spots. That causes throwing issues. Yeah, and and one of the things that I've heard Teddy talk about is just being comfortable. He wasn't totally comfortable. This is an offensive line where there's some shuffling around. So is he going to be totally comfortable? We're going to find out, right? I would. I don't think he will be uh, from the word go. He should be just in general more comfortable with what Oklahoma is doing and with the power five level of football. It was, uh, I think we talked about this last offseason, that we should expect it to be a little bit of a leap for Dylan Gabriel because guess what? It's UCF to Oklahoma. Now UCF joins the conference now, but where UCF was from, you're not seeing, you're not seeing Texas and K state and and Baylor and TCU and everybody else week to week to week to week to week. It's, it's different, right? So that takes some adjusting to, and obviously it takes some trust in the guys around you to stand in there, to be willing to take a hit and go deliver that football Hopefully, Dylan Gabriel, yes, will trust his mechanics a little bit better in that regard, and that will tick that accuracy number up, and he can he can go eclipse that 67% number. That's, that's a good bar to set out there. If he's better than that, 
it might be it might be as simple as that number for Oklahoma and Oklahoma goes and wins a Big 12 championship. He doesn't. Maybe they don't. Again, probably it's larger than that, and you get into defensive improvement overall. But that's that's an interesting barometer, I think, to uh, to set for Dylan Gabriel individually. We need Stetson Bennett, great from Cole. Well, and you know what I talked about earlier is it could be a good thing in some ways for Oklahoma that you get a couple of seasons here where theoretically you don't have that Baker Mayfield, that Kyler Murray, because it tells this team, it tells this program, hey, all tides, the rising tides uh, rise, raise all ships or whatever the phrase is. I always try to say that phrase. I never know what it is. But the bottom line is everybody needs to get better at Oklahoma. Defensively, you got to get light years better. Oklahoma needs to feel like in championship moments, it can win a game based on its defense that it doesn't have to drive down and score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to go win a college football playoff game, that its defense is going to come away with that game ceiling fumble or interception or third down or key fourth down stop. Right. And that's defensive tackles ends. I mean, every position defensively running the ball. I think it's uh, I think it's kind of a positive thing for Oklahoma that we go into this season with wide receiver a little unsettled to where Oklahoma can get back to let's just go manhandle people up front. Let's be a physical, aggressive, relentless, attacking offensive line across the board, and let's make that our DNA to just out-tough you. So, man, I'm just uh, I'm so excited for this season opener. I, uh, I really appreciate you guys in the chat. You guys have been awesome. I probably, since I've been uh, flying by the uh, seat of my pants here a little bit, and uh, writing solo, I probably didn't get to as many of your comments as I, I wish I could have here. That's just from a technical standpoint, running things and hitting buttons and so on and so forth. It's easier when you've got two in that regard. But I just want to say thank you guys. Locked on Sooners, your team every single day. We're here for you. The live show, we think 9 o'clock every Monday night. Now, again, we're kind of, uh, for me, we're back in my busy season where I'm broadcasting a lot of high school games. And, uh, you know, life has a funny way of popping up with uh, with inconveniences that that push this back an hour to try and deliver a product that myself and John and, and you can all be proud of. So I'm sorry for the late start. That's a long way for me to say sorry for starting out at 10. We think it'll be nine o'clock most every Monday, but we do have locked on soon. It's live for you every every Monday here throughout the football season. And who knows? Maybe we're going to have a post game uh, show here or there at some point. I'd like to do that. But again, it just uh, sort of depends on what uh, maybe John's schedule looks like, too. But hey, thank you guys for hopping in here. Your team every single day right here. It's Locked On Sooners. Until next time, everybody, I'm Josh Helmer. For my buddy, for my man, my partner in crime, Mr. John Williams, he'll be back with me tomorrow. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, everybody. <laughs>